chapter 16, verses 1 to 7. I've picked up the, this Bible, so I don't know if it's the right one. That's what's up there. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I am named to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice." And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart. I don't know about you, but you know, I was filling up and, and tears. And um, I think God, you know, that's how God just really uh, brings things to it. God just loves those, those children so much. There's a passage, a verse in James that came to me as we were watching that. And um, it, it's the type of religion that God loves. Is take care of the widows and the orphans, but it also goes one little bit further. Not everybody kind of like picks up on that, and it says, "And do not be polluted by the world. Do not be polluted by the world." That's the type of religion that God loves. And um, I guess this morning, that kind of fits in a little, in a way, with uh, with what I feel I've got to share with you. Uh, God is just. An amazing God. So what sort of sermon would you like this morning? I mean, we had an interesting meeting on Tuesday night, uh, those who weren't here, kind of discussing possibly the future uh, pastor for our church. And it was interesting listening around the room, the different uh, voices, but particularly about preaching. Some people read the notes. Is that okay to do that? And some people don't read the notes, and some people don't want people to know they're reading the notes, which is quite interesting. And so, here's the dilemma. I have some notes. Should I read the notes? Or should I not? Or should I do half and half, maybe? I don't know. I wonder what your thoughts really are on that. Do my best. Yeah, I, I, uh, I hope and pray that I do do my best. Um, and that's basically, actually, that's quite interesting that you would say that. Because do you know, Jim, that God wants us, whatever we do, to do it as if we're doing it for the Lord. And then that would be the best, would it not? It would be the best. I like to think that what I do in my business, I do it to the best of my ability. 
Not always easy when you're surrounded by other people who do not follow that same principle because then what you have to do, you have to start putting right the things that they don't just do that could be the best. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a quality thing. But we as a church, or as God's church, we should be trying to do the best we possibly could in whatever we do, whether it's in working or playing or whatever we do, because the Bible suggests that that's what we do. To do the best. Do it as if we're doing it for the Lord. So listen to this. Let's read a bit. What words would you like me to speak about today? This morning. And how will you judge the sermon or the quality of it? Why do we come to church anyway? I could tell you about Jesus crucified. Crucified for our sins, that we are forgiven. And that we are not alone. That we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us. I could tell you about that. That we get tempted by sin. I could tell you that. But we can overcome it. I should also tell you that. What about that we can be healed with prayer? That God answers prayer. I could tell you about that. I could tell you about Noah and the flood and his righteousness. And that God would see this man and say, Oh, that guy's righteous enough that I'm not going to drown him. What about that? How about being so righteous? I could tell you about Noah. Abraham and his faithfulness. That God would speak to Abraham and he would have faithful. He would be faithful enough to leave everything, pick up his possessions and go to a far off land, not knowing where he's going to go. I could tell you about Abraham. Jacob and his wrestling with God. He wouldn't let go until God blessed him. How about wrestling with God for our lives? As a church, as an individual. I could tell you about that. Well, what about Job? Now here's the one. Job. Who loved God so much that God felt sure he could use him as a plaything, in a way, to prove of how much mankind can love God for who God is and not for what God can do for you. Yeah? That God used Job to prove to Satan that mankind loves God so much, not just because of what he has given him, but because of who he is. That's amazing. I could tell you about that. What should we hear this morning? There's so much rich, powerful jewels, treasures in this book of scripture that is, that is just there, that it can so fill us and fill our lives and lead us and guide us into righteousness and truth. However, we have to read it. We have to read it. That is so important. We're so diverse as a church, as a group of people. Most churches are. We certainly are. We're so diverse. We're so different. We have a group of people amongst us that desire the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, healing, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts that God 
desires to bestow upon us. And when, and when you're in such a place of the Spirit of God, in such a place where you read this book and you believe it and you honour it by doing what it says, then you enter into that side of things. It's kind of like another level. Paul talks about not laying again the foundations of, of laying on of hands and of the being baptised, etc. Or he also likens it to a baby. A baby, when a baby's born, can't eat a steak, can't a baby, can't eat solid food, it can only take milk. And as in the natural, it's very similar in the spiritual, that when we are born again, we are babies. And some of these things that we're reading here, they're a little bit hard to take, and, and they're a little bit hard to chew, which is where we come in, this is where we lean on those with wisdom amongst us, our older people, who have been there for many years, faithfuls, stalwarts of the church, pillars in society as well and so often if we're looking in outside in the community or in the world these people seem to be less important but we as a church we should look at our older members and we should just lift them up and we should just see the importance and the strength and the treasure that they have through many years of following this book. It's amazing. We have an amazing gift of a fellowship of believers. And then there's those who maybe don't really understand it and don't want to go there anyway. Maybe I should use tongues, speaking in tongues, as an example because I do it. I don't know why I do it. God just gave me the gift. And I'm not really asking you to understand it because, to be honest, neither do I. But what I do know is I know this, that God gives gifts. And if you are open and honest and honourable and willing to use those gifts, God will ask you to use them. And it isn't always that easy. And, and, I, and I guess I use tongues because it's a little bit in your face. It's tongues. It's unusual. It's odd. I wonder if Jesus ever spoke in tongues. It occurred to me this morning, I wonder if he did. I don't know. But all I can tell you is that this is a gift within the Spirit. And tongues is it amongst all the other gifts. But it's something that we don't need to be afraid of. It's something really that we need to be encouraged by because the Spirit of God is moving and you don't make this thing up. Okay? It isn't made up. The Spirit of God is moving in this place and it's amazing. But what about the passage that... I read, which I guess, I didn't really know I was going to speak on it until this morning. It's really strange when you're going to, when you're really seeking God for a word, you know, and, uh, and I wasn't sure what the Bible reading was, and I must have had about three or four before this one, uh, but I really felt this morning that the Lord says he wants to speak to us and he wants to examine our hearts, that God wants to look at us and he wants us to see what he sees. God sees so much more than what Steve would see in me and what I would see in Steve. Or Jim or Burrell or whoever. What I see of you and what you see of me, God sees so much more. Well, the other thing is, you also see what God sees. You know your faults. 
You know when you get angry. You know when you're sad. We can come to church with the world on our shoulders and somebody might say, how are you? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. But you're not. And God sees that. And you know that. And you'll sit down and the Bible I'll read or whatever. God sees that. And, and I believe this morning that God would want to say to each one of us, look at your heart. Look at your heart and what do you see? I just turned to that passage for a moment, which is in 1 Samuel, which Ian kindly read for me. And really the verse that I wanted to pick out of that passage was, verse 7, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's really the verse that I want to home in on. But kind of like to put that verse in the right place. We have here the story of, uh, of the prophet Samuel. Who has just found out that his beloved king Saul is losing the anointing. He's done something he shouldn't have done. He's stepped totally out of line with God. And bear in mind also that it's, he was chosen by the people. And so God sees this and Samuel sees this. And Samuel's kind of like a little bit fed up. He's, he's, he's sulking. Really when you read it, the first verse, we come into the first verse and uh, God's kind of saying to Samuel, are you going to cheer up? He's sulking because his anointed king is not anointed anymore. What's he going to do? What does he do next? He's not sure. Sometimes we as a church, what are we going to do next? We didn't, we didn't find a pastor just yet. We didn't find the pastor yet. And so some of us will be quite pleased at that and some of us will be really sad. Some of us will be angry. Some of us might be sulking a little bit. But what God would say is, listen, that's okay. But don't you think you need to get up? Because... I'm going to show you who is your next pastor. And that's what God's going to do. He's going to show us who our next pastor is. It might be the next person that we ask to speak with a peep, and it might not. What matters to us as a church is we have to stand strong in the promise that God will lead us to the correct person. And we have to praise God that... On Tuesday night, we rejected someone because it wasn't what God wanted. Because when God shows us a person that He wants us to have, we will know. There is no danger. So if your chin's a little bit on the ground, be encouraged. Don't let it be. Look to Jesus. Look to the Lord because He will show us the right person. There's no doubt about it. I am totally convinced that as we walk with the Lord, as we pray and as we read this book, an amazing book, I am 110% convinced that God will bring us the right person. And we will know. Uh, We will. And, And I want that confidence to ooze out of me onto you. Because I want you to be the same. I want you to be at 110% sure, sure, 110% that God will put the correct person here for us to help us move on.
So, here comes Samuel. This is a story. He has to, uh, he has to find a new king and anoint him. God says, listen Samuel, stop sulking, come on, get up. Go and see Jesse, one of his lads, and he's got half a dozen. One of them is going to be the king. Go and anoint him. So off he goes, and he has to go a little bit secret, because he doesn't want Saul to find out. So he kind of makes a bit of a story. They're going for a barbecue, and they're going to invite Saul, they're going to invite Jesse and his family. And, and that's pretty much what happens. And then... He has a word with Jesse and says, Okay, God's going to anoint one of your sons. Bring them before me. So he brings his eldest, the most strapping, handsome guy. I nearly said not as handsome as me, but I thought you know. <laughs> handsome guy. And he thinks this is the one. I'm going to anoint him. But God says, no. He's not the one. You see, because again, Samuel, who even though he was a prophet, anointed with the Spirit of God to anoint others and walking with God, even the prophets don't always just get it right and see exactly what God's doing. And it's a little bit like as Christians, we have one foot in the world and we have one foot in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we make the wrong choices and we make the wrong decisions. If uh, Samuel, Samuel would have had his way, he'd anointed this eldest son. He would have just done it. But that would have been wrong. And thankfully, Samuel was open to the Lord to hear, no, that's not the one. Which is brilliant. And, and that's where we come in as Christians. We have to be open to the Spirit of God for guidance to lead us in our future. Not only as individuals, but as a church. We have to be open to that. We have to seek God. We have to get on our knees now and again. Turn the TV off and have 15 minutes with the Lord. Or whatever, or go for a walk and pray. But we have to seek God. God says, if you come looking for me, you will find me. That's what he says. And, and is that true? Absolutely. It was true for me, Edmund. It was true for you. It was true for you, Steve. It was true for you, Bill. Some of us didn't even realise we were looking for him. But God's always looking for us, and that's the deal. God's always looking for us. Imagine if you've got a child that's lost in the forest, and they send a search party out, and she's trying to find her way back, and the search party's trying to find. There's a very good chance that the two will meet and come together and go back home. It's a little bit like that. God sent a search party out of heaven looking for his creation, for us, to bring us back home. To know the Father in heaven who created us, who birthed us in the mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. To give us life. Life that's so full. But yes, I know you can say, what about the broken hearted? Because you can look at your heart, coming back to the heart, you can look at your heart and it's broken hearted. For whatever reason. I believe this village and this community has had a broken heart with, uh, with the death of Morgan this last couple of weeks ago. But God wants to heal the broken hearted. That's what he wants to do. And it might be that you're here this morning and, and you've just got an ache and you're sad and, you, and there's something that you just...
terrified of, a fear that you can't, it won't let go. It's like a little Jack Russell that's got your ankle and you can't shake it off and it's biting, it won't let go. It's that sort of fear. That's what fear's like. You know when you've got a fear, don't you? You feel it, don't you? Your whole persona just drops. It's just like you're not good company anymore. But you'll always be good company to Jesus. Always. And Jesus wants to put his arm around you and says, listen, I know what you're going through. Jesus went to the cross and he was broken hearted. Probably, you would probably never imagine that could happen. If you, if you put it down on paper, it should never have happened. Why would Jesus be broken hearted on the cross? Why? He knows what it's like. He was separated from his father because of our sin. And that's why we're here this morning. That we worship this God that so loved us, that sent his son to die for us, knowing that his son would be so broken hearted. And for three days, away from his father. And then amazingly, God restores him. And what about the Jesus that we now meet and that we now know? Isn't that an amazing Jesus? Because God took that broken heart into heaven. He restored it. He healed it because he said, Son, you've done it. It is accomplished. You have won. They are saved. They can be saved. This is the, this is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And, and then that Jesus also doesn't leave us on our own. That the Spirit, He would send the Holy Spirit to us. Now every one of us in this room who have become born again, accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, where we've prayed, and if you haven't, I really want to encourage you to do that, where we've prayed, we've acknowledged that life isn't that good how I do it. And Lord, I'd love it to be how you do it. Will you take this life? Because I know that you can make something of it and I've just made a terrible mess of it. And that was pretty much my story. And what God's done with me and other people in this room, he can do with you. He just can. Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever that fear is that might just be gripping you, that problem that's just tearing your heart apart, that God can take that and he can deal with it. It's amazing. And this Holy Spirit that he sends to bless us, it's the fruit of the Spirit that every single one of us who are born again should be showing within our lives. The fruit. That is the total package that we get given. I'm not talking about the gifts, I'm talking about the fruit. That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. There's nine, nine gifts there that kind of like, okay, you, 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 you've become born again and you've accepted Jesus. Right, there you go, Peter, that's yours. Go and let them work in your life because if you do, you'll be an amazing person. The fruit of the Spirit. And, and if you'll allow the fruit of the Spirit, and we have to work at this, don't we? Come on. Who gets angry? Who gets frustrated? Who has desires within them, even though they've been a Christian for 21 years or however many years, that well up inside? They never go, do they? 
They never go, oh, they don't for me. When I became a Christian and first in business, before I gave my life to Jesus, I used to uh, want to fiddle the tax. I didn't want to pay the government all the tax money. It was only when I spoke to Eric Sharp here, and Eric said, the Bible says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and give unto God what is God's, and you have the rest. Eric pointed the Bible out to me. I could have spoke to somebody else, and I did, and they said, no, no, you don't need to do that. Just keep taking the tax, it'll be alright. Nobody will know. And that kind of like, these things go around in your mind of what you're going to share. Whose voice are you going to listen to anyway? Whose voice do we take the advice from? Be careful who you ask for advice, because you could always get the wrong advice. Be really careful who you ask for advice. If you're going to ask for advice, my advice to you would be <laughs> that you would ask somebody who is spirit-filled, born again, believer of Jesus Christ, with the fruits of the Spirit within their lives. And they're not hard to find. You'll find them if you look. And them are the people that you need to sit down. Bible-believing people who will tell you as it is, who won't tell you what they think you want to hear. Yeah? Because we get people like that, don't we? If you speak to somebody out in the world, let's say, for instance, let me put my cards on the table, because you know I like to do this. I, um, and we're all right for time, are we? I um, had a, a customer came over from Norway, and uh, he wanted to, um, he has three Jaguar cars, and he has a Bentley. Now these are old vehicles, okay, they're not brand new, they're old vehicles. He's got loads of money anyway. But that aside, he wanted to go and get some parts for them. So I, I took him to the Jaguar garage, spent two hours there, and we ordered all these parts for his Jags. Then he took me to the Bentley garage. That was the worst thing he could have done. Because, you know, I'm a little bit of a sucker for cars, and I like cars, don't I? Um, and have you ever sat in a Bentley Continental? Wow. I'm telling you, wow. I love cars, okay? And if I told you my dream car would be a Bentley Continental after going to that, that garage, I mean, I'm being totally honest. But do you know how much they are? For a brand new one, you're talking about 147,000. Not much, is it really? Or you could get a second hand one that's done 18,000 miles for about 65,000. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, too right. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I thought I could sell my house. <laughs> we could. <laughs> but that would be my dream car. Oh, fantastic car. Anyway, just suppose, right, I thought, all right, I'll get this car. I'm a Christian. Could you imagine me rolling up in a Bentley? That wouldn't go very, down very well in the Christian circles, would it? It wouldn't, would it? And really, quite true, that's true, it wouldn't. And for that reason, I would never get one. And I want you to hear that. For that reason, I would never get one. For that reason only. If I spoke to somebody outside of the church, they would say, well, get one, you work hard enough. Go on, you've earned the money, why, why shouldn't you have it? Wouldn't they? That's what they'd say. You see, on the outward appearance... What you see affects people. And whoever the pastor may be that we have for our church, 
for us to really penetrate into the community and to see people saved, that's an important part. It actually is an important part for us to save the lost. It isn't that important for us in here. What's important for in here is what's in here. But there's a little bit of a both hand. Remember, Robert, you say both hand. There is a little bit of a both hand. You can't have somebody as a pastor, in my opinion, this is my opinion, who doesn't exactly look the part, who won't be able to step out into the world and not be noticed. It's, it's hard to get what I'm trying to say to you, but not be ridiculed. Or not be, oh, they're one of them Christian people, you know. Yeah, they're all a little bit like that. A little bit, a bit bland or whatever it, it might be. It is important that we don't get someone like that, in my opinion, because we want to save the lost and God's purpose for us is to take the gospel message, not, not in here, but out there. And we need somebody that can do that and spearhead it for us. And that's what we really need if that's what we're going to go for. As a businessman, you have to think five years in advance. We have to start thinking five years from now. What's the church going to be like in five years? We have to think on these things. Whether you like it or not, we have to consider it because what will the church be like in five years and what will our part be in that? Will we still, will we still be here? I don't know. I don't know. But we have to think that. Because if in a business you're not thinking five years down the line, there's a good chance that your business will close. If we hadn't been thinking five years ago to open a showroom in Rottenstall, we would not be in business now. I can 110% guarantee that. It just wouldn't. We would have had to close down. So there's something about thinking ahead. It's kind of like a vision. So as a church, I think we need to start praying for a real vision, an anointed vision of our Lord, and a purpose. And we can do this. We don't need a minister to tell us to do this. This will tell us that. We can tell each other. You don't need a pastor to come and say, okay, well, the vision now is for the next five years, we're going to do this. No, we don't need that. We should be at work doing that. We're not babies. We're not babies. We're not on milk. Some of us are, but there's a big core. We are a blessed church, a blessed people, blessed with gifts. When are we going to start realising it? That's what I would say. God sees it. God sees it in every one of us. We see it in ourselves. But we don't always see it in each other. And so as we come together and pray and focus on, on the Lord, He will send us the person that will help us with our work. And that's going to be great, isn't it? Is that not amazing? Thinking of the broken hearted. Because I really want to think about it. God's just really laid this on me. I just want to... Uh, I just want to kind of come to a, a close. First of all, we have to know that God has got a plan for our church. Know that more than anything. God has a plan and a purpose. Not only for us as a church, but for you, individual. In your life, God has a plan. You need to check out your heart. There's two people that knows your every thought. One is you. And the other is the Lord Jesus. Knows your every thought. 
Take every thought captive unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Take every thought captive. That's a big, that's a big ask. Because on the back of that, we've got our anger and our emotions. Isn't it hard work being human sometimes? Don't you think? It's hard work. I just find it hard work sometimes. <laughs> Give your all to Jesus. Give everything you have to Jesus. Whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Run after God. Run. Don't stroll and sit down for five minutes and stroll. Run after God. Chase him. Desire the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. These desires. It says, after it talks about the gifts, and it talks about tongues, it says, eagerly desire. It says the better gifts. But they're not the better gifts for you. They're the better gifts for us. For the church. Because there's something about being human that we get depressed we get cheesed off, we get down, we get tired, we get worn out. There's something about being human and that. We get ill. Things happen to us. We will never get away from that. I think it's probably something to do with the fall and the sinfulness of mankind and creation. I'm sure it is. So well, that's in our DNA. We can't get away from that. But God knows, you see. And he wants to inject that DNA with his Holy Spirit. With his grace, his mercy, his love. God cares for you. For each one of us in this room. Wherever you are. Whatever your hopes, ambitions. God cares for you so much. He cries over you. He weeps. He loves you. Just like we saw that video. And, and we loved them kids, didn't we? When we watched that a few moments ago. It just did something to our heart, didn't it? And that's how God is with us. Isn't that an amazing that he allows us to have the same emotions for other people so that we know what he feels like for us. How good is that? I hope I'm not losing any of you or I hope I haven't given you a lot of waffle. My heart really is that you would search yourself, that you would be so encouraged and, and not to say, look at us, we have a great church. No, couldn't be further from the truth. But to say we have got great potential. The potential within us is amazing. I wonder if you'd pray with me. In fact, can I ask you, would you stand? Do you, if you're able, just if you're able, would you stand as we pray together? Heavenly Father, we pray. Father, any of the words that, are, that I've shared this morning, Father, especially the ones from you, O oh God. Especially the ones from you, Father. I pray that you would just pour down your spirit. Anoint us, Lord. Touch our hearts. Touch our lives. Each one of us here, with our own feelings, whatever they may be, Lord. Each one of us, Father, with the, the ache, with the pain, with the frustration, with the why me. Father, each one of us, oh God, I just pray that you would just... And I believe in prayer, oh God, I... I stand on this scripture, this book, because it says that as we bring our prayers and petitions to you, Father, you hear us, and I just stand by that promise, that, Father, you would pour out your Spirit on each one of us. That from this day, Lord, if we're not already changed, that you change us again, that, Father, you would fill us so full of your Spirit. That, Lord, there'd be such a desire within us to run after you, that we won't be able to stop each other. Oh, God. 
We think of all the work that we do amongst our young people in the Sunday school. Oh Lord, I pray that you would take those children, that you would put the seal of your Holy Spirit on each one of them, that you would make them yours and that you would bless them. Father, we as a church, as we stand here this morning, we all agree and we all say, Amen. Amen.